Support for NPR and the following message come from IXL Learning. IXL Learning uses advanced algorithms to give the right help to each kid, no matter the age or personality. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com NPR. Poland's view of the war next door. And ballet dancers perform in exile. This is the State of Ukraine from NPR News. Poland is among the countries most loudly calling for weapons and support to go to Ukraine. Poland borders Ukraine and was itself ruled by Russia in generations past. To get Poland's perspective as the conflict is about to enter its second year, NPR's Steve Inskeep talked with Poland's ambassador to the U.S., Marek Magarowski. And the ambassador told him that even though Russia has fought badly, Ukraine needs even more support. We tended to overestimate Russia's military might before the war, but I'm afraid we are now uh, underestimating it. What do you mean? I'm not um, terribly optimistic about the cause of this war. I think it will be a protracted conflict, if not a frozen one. I believe Putin can still flood Ukraine with manpower or cannon fodder, if you will. The Russian society and and especially the Russian ruling elites are much more resilient than us, than the West. It will take time and it will take a a very serious and long-term effort also on our side. What does a protracted conflict mean for Poland, given that your country has already become a home for, I believe, millions of refugees? Since the beginning of the war, more than 9 million Ukrainian refugees uh, have crossed the border with Poland. Of course, not all of them stayed in our country. Some of them re-emigrated to other countries in Europe. Uh, Some of them returned to Ukraine, but roughly 1.5 million refugees did remain in our country. Uh, They enjoy many benefits. Just a month after the war, the Polish parliament passed a law which essentially facilitates the integration into Polish society, and they do integrate seamlessly, impeccably, into the Polish labor market, for example. And I believe this is our, not only a political, but also a personal obligation for many Poles to help our Ukrainian brethren. Poland has not always been as welcoming to refugees. There was much political frustration over refugees from the Middle East, for example. What makes it easier to contemplate millions of Ukrainians in your midst for a very long time? As I said, they integrate into the Polish society um, uh, extraordinarily. They have a similar cultural background and a religious background as well, which is of, uh, I believe, of critical importance. They learn the language in a matter of months. And... uh, About 95% of those refugees are women and children because we both know what the Ukrainian men are doing right now. And those women, upon arrival in Warsaw or in Krakow or in Gdansk, they never say, I want welfare. They never say, I want an allowance. I want uh, the Polish authorities to take care of myself and of my family. They always say, I want a job. And to get a job, because fortunately the Polish, the, the unemployment rate in Poland is now ridiculously low. The ambassador's remarks there reflect long-standing views of Poland's ruling party and also widespread European resistance to migrants in years past. More recently, Russia's allies took advantage of that sensitivity, sending Middle Eastern migrants to Poland's border. The reception for Ukrainians has been very different. It would be unfair to compare these two crises, if you will, and uh, the Polish authorities 
conduct in these two cases. If your side prevails, what does a post-war Europe look like? I, it is my firm belief that now the, the, the whole world, and especially our European partners, have understood how important the eastern flank is in terms of deterrence. Deterrence is key. And that's why, for example, we are trying, we have been trying for months to convince our American partners that we need their permanent presence on Polish soil. We need more American troops. And we do believe, unlike some other politicians in Western Europe, that we still need America as a military hegemon in this part of the world, in Europe. And I can only echo the words of uh, the Finnish Prime Minister, who said just a few weeks ago that without America, we would be in a completely different situation now in Europe. As many people will know, in the Cold War, Germany was the front line against the Soviet Union, and the United States developed a whole network of bases in Germany, many of which are still operating and very important to the United States. I think I hear you saying that if the U.S. had more bases in Poland, closer to Russia, that would be fine with you. Absolutely. Yes, of course. We we are a a front-line state with or without American bases, because it's about geography. Russia has always been our neighbor. It is our neighbor, and it will remain so. It will not vanish. Ambassador, thanks very much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you so much. Marak Magorowski is Poland's ambassador to the United States. Recently, some dancers from across Ukraine performed the ballet Giselle at the Kennedy Center in Washington, D.C. After Russia invaded Ukraine, these dancers fled the country and made their way to The Hague. There, they formed a new company, the United Ukrainian Ballet. Here's NPR's Elizabeth Blair. Just hours before the curtain rose, choreographer Alexei Radmansky coached the dancers through a dress rehearsal. You're late, guys. You're late. You're late. In the dance world, Radmansky is a big deal. He's a MacArthur Fellow who's worked with just about every major ballet company. When Russia invaded Ukraine, he was in Moscow working with the Bolshoi and the Mariinsky. I received a call uh, from my wife from New York. It was 5 a.m. and she said the Kiev is bombed and that's where my family lives. So I had to leave right away. Radmansky's mother is Russian. His father is Ukrainian. But for him, there's no internal conflict when it comes to the war. It's a huge failure of Russian culture, I think. The fact that millions didn't come out the first week and didn't stop it. When a ballet colleague in the Netherlands asked him if he would come to The Hague to work with Ukrainian dancers, he didn't hesitate. His presence was the reason principal dancer Elisaveta Gogitsa made her way there too. I dreamed to work with Alexei Rotmansky. He's a gorgeous choreographer. He's true patriot of our country. When Russia invaded Ukraine, Gogitsa was in Kyiv. She and her family fled. I go with my mother, grandmothers, and all women of our family uh, to Germany. <laughs> it was not easy. Gogitsa says she's in constant contact with her fellow dancers back in Kyiv. Her company there has reopened, but it's been a challenge. They have no light. They have no hot water, it's, uh, sirens and rockets. Uh, sometimes it's really 
heart. It's not lost on the Ukrainian government that the audience for this event includes decision makers. Ukrainian Ambassador Oksana Makarova spoke to Washington establishment types at a Kennedy Center event earlier this week. Usually you hear me asking for more weapons and more financial resources and more sanctions and isolation to Russia. And I will not make an exception today. We still need all of that. She said the embassy debated whether celebrating art was appropriate during a time of war. And we decided yes, because that's exactly what Russians wanted us to do. They wanted us to be destroyed, cry and die. And we will not do that. We will fight bravely on the battlefield but we will also celebrate our culture. At intermission during last night's production of Giselle, I spoke with Ina, a Russian emigre and member of the audience who asked that we not use her last name. I'm not a big, like, ballet fan. But she was moved that so many people showed up to support Ukraine. The fact that people choose to come and that moral support is also very important. When the performance ended, the orchestra played the Ukrainian national anthem. The dancers of the United Ukrainian Ballet, joined by Radmatsky, held up banners that said, Stand with Ukraine. Elizabeth Blair, NPR News, Washington. Thanks for listening to The State of Ukraine from NPR News. Please come back to this feed for more on the war and its impacts around the world. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. This election season, you can expect to hear a lot of news, some of it meaningful, much of it not. Give the Up First podcast 15 minutes, sometimes a little less, and we'll help you sort it out what's going on around the world and at home. Three stories, 15 minutes, Up First every day. Listen every morning wherever you get your podcasts.